slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. What a weekend it was for the New York Islanders. We have got a lot to discuss. The Islanders now holding a 3 to nothing lead in their series against the Washington Capitals, and we will break down why the Islanders have been so successful and what they've been doing right, some of the things they still need to work on, but uh, right now, The Islanders holding a commanding lead in this series that very few people expected them to be in this position. Not that I thought it was impossible they would win the series, but uh, to be up three to nothing and to be playing as well as they have is definitely a big positive for the Islanders. We will look at game three, take a brief look back at game two, and of course we'll have our Islanders birthday of the day and a whole lot more coming up on today's show. If there's something on your mind, Islanders-related, please feel free to send us an email. The email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter. My handle is at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes, and, uh, just get you going with everything related to this team. And right now, I'll tell you, August has been a really good month for the New York Islanders. They've played seven games in the month of August, and that, folks, is the entire history of the number of games this franchise has played in the month of August, dating all the way back to 1972 when they entered the NHL. They are 6-1. and one. In the month of August. And I'll tell you, this performance in Game 3 was a solid one, top to bottom. And you got to be pleased with the way they played. First period was mostly Islanders. And they took that one nothing lead on what was really uh, one of the prettier goals that you're going to see an absolutely perfect setup the way the Islanders got this done. And, you know, basically Adam Pellick putting a great cross-ice pass near the goal. Anders Lee, the captain, coming through with the redirection, the tip-in of that shot, uh, of, of that pass, rather, uh, from really in close. And that is exactly the kind of leadership that they need from Anders Lee and Pellick again, you know, quietly getting the job done with that pretty pass and, and great vision. And you saw the look on Lee's face after the puck went in the net and he pointed back at Pellick almost like, see, I, you know, he had called for the, 
pass by banging his stick on the ice. And he's like, you see, I told you. And thanks for the great pass. So very good setup right there. And, and throughout the first period, the Islanders really did uh, a really good job overall of controlling the tempo of the game, limiting Washington's scoring opportunities. And again, you know, yes, it was only one nothing after 20 minutes. And the Islanders were out shooting Washington almost at a two to one ratio. But, and this is something we talked about before the series even started. And, and the Islanders have been able to get that much accomplished. Uh, if you were to examine the style of play for most of this series, and especially in the first period of Game 3, this was the Islanders' style of play. This is the kind of hockey the Islanders wanted to play in this series. And they did an excellent job of it. And look, you know, you, you look back at this game, Alex Ovechkin, the number one goal scorer in the league, the, the big weapon that he is, uh, you know, 48 goals in an abbreviated season, had a grand total of one shot on goal throughout the entire game, and it didn't come until overtime. And, you know, when you look at this and analyze it, that is exactly what the Islanders had to do. They took the biggest weapon that Washington had and really eliminated him from the game for all intents and purposes. And that is winning smart hockey. Who had the most shots on goal out of any player on the Washington Capitals in this game? And they didn't have a lot of shots as a team. Jacob Verana with four. And two of those came in overtime and on a breakaway and a rebound attempt on that breakaway. And boy, oh boy, did Simeon Varlamov come up big in that spot. And you could talk all you want about, oh, you know, he wasn't tested all that much and... And, and what have you. But sometimes it's not how many saves you make. It is when you make them. And that overtime save, and then the save again on the rebound, that is exactly what the Islanders needed. Uh, and it, it may get overlooked. You know, people talk about the game winner and about all, you know, so many other things going on in that game, but at the end of the day, uh, you just have to understand that Varlamov came up huge, saved the game right there, and really made a huge difference in this one. Another player who was a little bit under the radar at times, who had less ice time than any other Islander, Matt Martin, six hits in just seven minutes and 43 seconds of ice time, including uh, two blocked shots in one shift early on in that game that really hurt just to watch, let alone, I'm sure, what he experienced, and just showed you the determination, the hustle, and the 
the way that Matt Martin plays the game. Matt Martin with six hits, followed by Cal Clutterbuck in this game with five. And the Islanders, again, playing their game, playing smart hockey, limiting the chances of the Washington Capitals, and coming away with a very vital victory. And there's a lot more we're going to talk about with regards to this game, what the Islanders did right, and still a couple of things they really need to fix. Uh, More to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, let's also talk a little bit about the game winner here, because again, uh, some great plays that set that one up. The goal by Matthew Barzal, but Jordan Eberle with a beautiful pass, and Barzal was barely, barely onside. They did review the play on the replay, and they basically found that he was just onside, Uh, but at the end of the day, it counted, and here's what Barzal said about the play. We knew it was tight. I run that play a little bit in practice, and even in games, to try to sneak behind the D and time it perfectly on the blue line. Great heads-up play by Ebbs, Eberly, uh, and great touch on the pass. So, uh, again, got to give credit where credit is due. And certainly Jordan Eberle has to get credit for that pass. And and Barzal using his speed, timing that play right on the money, staying onside by a hair's breadth, and managing to get the game winner four minutes and 28 seconds into overtime. So Islanders with quite the celebration under the circumstances now in command of this series with a three to nothing lead let in this series let's talk more about uh, Anders Lee the captain leading the team with seven shots on goal and again that big goal that he scored he was down low making trouble on the power play which is still not working quite the way the Islanders would like it to work. The one area, if you look at it, that this team still needs to improve on, and it is going to be important if they want to make a long playoff run, is still special teams. And the one goal that the Capitals scored by Evgeny Kuznetsov did come on the power play. Nice pass by John Carlson to make it happen. Ovechkin also, you know, got an assist Uh, his first of the series on that goal, but again, uh, the penalty kill and staying out of the penalty box is still an issue for the Islanders, and the power play is still not clicking on all cylinders. They had their chances, no question about that, but they still need to find a way to, to, to get the job done on special teams, because if they don't, Uh, you know, again, the deeper you get into the playoffs, the tougher the competition becomes, and the Islanders cannot afford to be negative on the power play throughout any series. I mean, if you break even, I guess you're okay, but being negative on the power play, not going to get the job done. You look at the shot chart again, and I always like to look at this, especially in a playoff game. 
and the number of quality chances that the Islanders had from in close and from good possible scoring areas far outweighs the number of quality shots that the Capitals had. If you look at, you know, between the faceoff circles on down, the slot area, whatever you want to call it, uh, Washington had five, maybe six shots from that high, you know, quality opportunity area, the dirty goals, the rebounds, the deflections, five or six chances, the Islanders probably had close to twice that. And that is a difference maker in this game. And you know what? I'm going to give some credit. Uh, Braden Holtby, who did not have a great game in game two, gave up a soft goal, you know, that really sort of changed the tenor of that game. He played pretty darn well for the Washington Capitals in this game, making 32 saves in a losing effort. And, you know, it wasn't his fault that the Capitals lost this game. Uh, the Islanders, you know, the first goal, Anders Lee deflection, nothing Holtby could do about it. And the Barzal goal would have been almost impossible for Holtby to make the play. So we talked about Varlamov and how well he played and yeah, 22 saves and 23 shots. But again, some of those were big, including those the breakaway and the rebound in overtime. But Holtby played well for Washington also. And he was certainly not the reason that the Islanders won this game. And the Islanders really, truly have to figure out, have to figure out uh, how to improve the special teams aspect of their game or they're going to have some difficulties going forward. And uh, right now, though, 3-0 and oh in this series. I-, I also think this. I think that Barry Trotz is out-coaching Reardon of the Capitals so badly at this point. And, you know, there is a sort of the teacher and the student kind of a relationship. Well, the teacher is still teaching the student. Uh, what they're supposed to do, and, you know, eventually the pupil tends to, at some point, surpass the teacher. That hasn't happened yet, and if the Capitals go out of this series quietly, I wonder whether or not their coach will be back next season, but overall, you know, the face-off circle, Brock Nelson, 13 out of 18 in the face-off circle, and Jean-Gabriel Pajot, 9 out of 15 in the face-off circle. And again, Pajot did not figure in the scoring. Had two shots on goal, but a couple of hits, a blocked shot, a couple of takeaways, and, you know, helps on the penalty kill. I I mean, Pajot didn't show up in the score sheet today very much, but he has been a key component also to the Islanders' success. And Derek Broussard, five shots on goal one assist, and again, some quality plays, and on defense, uh, again, you know, Andy Green only playing 17 minutes and 20 seconds, the least of the defensemen, but he's again a plus one, and he made a couple of very basic kind of plays that really helped clear the zone and, and made things possible for the Islanders, you know, not flashy, but smart. And as for Adam Pellick, he has been a major, major reason 
for the Islanders' success. And we have a little bit more on Pellick. We'll talk a little bit about Game 2, plus our Islanders' birthday of the day. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we're back here at the Locked On Islanders podcast. Time for our Islanders' birthday of the day. We promised you uh, a little something and uh, more on Adam Pellick. And yes, he is our Islanders' birthday of the day. Yesterday, August 16th, was his 26th birthday, and the six foot three, 218-pound Toronto native really uh, had a happy birthday celebrating that win in Game 3, of which he was a major part. Originally a third-round pick of the Islanders back in 2012, debuted with the Isles in 2015-2016 when he played nine games, picking up a pair of assists. So far, you know, I will say this, and I made the case a few months ago when the season was, you know, suspended, that you could make a strong argument that Adam Pellick is the Islanders' MVP this season. And you look at their record with him in the lineup and without him in the lineup, and the difference speaks for itself. And the way the Islanders handle opposing teams and the way they play against them is significantly better when they have Adam Pellick in the lineup. And at the end of the day, it matters that you have Adam Pellick in the lineup. It gives you more depth on defense. He munches minutes. Uh always is at or near the top of minutes played for Islanders defensemen, and he's the guy that the Islanders usually want to match up against the other team's best scorers, their top line, uh, their most dangerous offensive players, and there's a reason for that. And, you know, Pellick is the kind of guy who isn't going to make end-to-end rushes that make you uh, lose your breath and, and going to show up on Sports Center the next day. But if you watch him game in and game out, if you're a hockey purist, a hockey scout, you love watching Adam Pellick do all the things he does to win hockey games for his team. So happy 26th birthday, a day late now, to Adam Pellick, our Islanders birthday of the day, and uh, wow, hard to believe that he's already 26 years old. Where does the time go? Meanwhile, the Islanders uh, wanted to touch briefly on their 5-2 to two win back on uh, Friday, the uh, primetime Friday evening game, where, you know, again, the Islanders Fell behind early, Alex Ovechkin scoring less than a minute into the game, and then the Islanders sort of turn it on. Get a power play goal from Nick Letty, a goal from Matt Martin that was very, uh, you know, gutsy. Give up another goal to Ovechkin, it's 2-2, and then Brock Nelson comes up big, and then you get the late third period goals to ice it from Clutterbuck and Anders Lee, the empty netter and the Islanders skate away with a 5-2 win. And that first period, again, uh, in Game 2, was not the way the Islanders wanted to play hockey. But as the period evolved, 
by the end of that first period, uh, uh, rather by the early in the second period, the Islanders had turned it around and started to play again their style of hockey. And that is what you need to see. And again, Nick Backstrom missing games two and three and a large portion of game one. Uh, yeah, absolutely hurt the Washington Capitals. No question about that. But uh, not the reason that the Islanders are ahead in this series. And by the way, uh, in game two, how about the work of Jean-Gabriel Pajot winning 17 out of 23 face-offs and uh, Brock Nelson 9 out of 15, but again, the Islanders uh, getting getting the job done in the face-off dot, and Varlamov played well. The, the, the Islanders, by the end of game two, really had taken over the tempo of the series, and that is something you always want to see. So here we are, three games in, and the Islanders are in complete control of this series. And Todd Reardon, coach of the Washington Capitals, has a lot of work to do to try to right this ship and get his team back into contention. Islanders 0 for 5 on the power play. Gotta work on that, but overall, wow. This is a team that is playing their best hockey right now, and they are playing, realistically, uh, their style of hockey. And when you dictate the tempo and dictate the style, good things are going to happen. I'll leave you with this uh, quote from Barry Trotz when asked about Matt Barzal and the Game-winning goal that he scored in overtime of Game 3. He said, Matt wants to be that difference maker. He got an opportunity, and he capitalized. And the same can be said for the New York Islanders. This is a team that is playing their best hockey right now. 6-1 and one since the play resumed in the bubble. 6-1 and one in the month of August. They are playing their best hockey without question since that 17-game point streak way back in October and November. And that, folks, shows you what this team is capable of when they're hitting at all cylinders. It isn't always going to be pretty. It isn't going to be, uh, you know, glamorous, high-scoring kind of hockey. But, man, when this team is doing the little things right and playing their game, it is fun to watch, and the Islanders are doing what they need to do right now to be successful. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a league-wide perspective on the Stanley Cup playoffs and all things National Hockey League. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow with a full preview of Game 4 and a whole lot more. So. Until then, stay safe, have a great day, and of course, let's go Islanders.